Today, we're so excited to have back Julie Bunkley of Envision Events. She joined us back last year at episode six of Developing Authentic Relationships with her business partner, Courtney. And we're so excited to have her back on today. Yes, Julie will be diving deep into a concept that we have been learning all about, the 18-month rule. And we cannot wait for you to hear all of the wonderful wisdom she has about planning long-term in your business. You're listening to Dare to Develop, a podcast for creatives. I'm Christine Herman. And I'm Ashley Baumgartner. And we are two hybrid wedding photographers that dub ourselves work wives. With a passion for developing community and daring to take risks in business and art, we want to bring you along on a journey. The journey of artists, makers, business professionals, and more who want to level up their businesses by daring greatly and developing community. So let's get started. We are so excited to have Julie Bunkley, owner and creative director of Envision Events and one of the founders of the E3 Educate, Empower, Encourage community here with us today. We're so excited to have you back on talking about developing a long-term successful business with the 18-month rule. Thanks so much for being back with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's really special that you would want me to come back. So thanks. <laughs> yes, uh, we absolutely loved that episode with you and your business partner, Courtney, chatting all about the planner vendor relationships. So we're so excited to kind of dive into another concept that we know you're passionate about. But before we get started, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about you, yourself as a person, as well as your businesses? Sure. My name is Julie Bunkley, like you said, and I own and I founded own Envision Events and I serve as our creative director and our full-time designer for our clients. I work with Courtney Wolf, who we were on together on a previous episode. She is our principal planner. We work with all of our clients together as a team. So she has all the planning responsibilities. I have all the design responsibilities and then we execute everything together for our clients. We serve clients all over the country. We're destination planners and designers and we're pretty much focused with either a resort property or possibly even private residence style events is pretty much where our clients tend to take us. So yeah, it's been a, a little bit of a evolution since I started in 2006. Things, the, the world and sim- certainly the wedding world was a good bit different than what it is now. The introduction of social media has changed quite a bit. So I've kind of developed this philosophy that we're going to talk about today through my career, what, 15 years now of watching how things flow from a business angle and what you have to be prepared for when it comes to being patient in your business. (laughs) Yeah, something super hard to do sometimes. Can you tell us a little bit about how your business has evolved since 2006? Yeah. So in 2006, I started Envision Events in the small college town of Auburn, Alabama. My husband and I both went to Auburn, graduated. We fell in love and got married and then decided to stay in Auburn. And I, at the time, you know, I was pretty much fresh out of school and I graduated with a PR degree. I was working in the marketing department of a large insurance company and um, not exactly fulfilling. And so I had met some girls in town who were directing ceremonies, just wedding ceremonies on the side. And I was like, oh, well, I just went through this. This makes sense. And it's certainly more fun than what I'm full-time doing. And so I started doing that with them. And all of them were still in school. And when they graduated, 
they left, went to on their, you know, own directions to whatever their next step was. And, you know, I was, well, no one's really doing this in Auburn as a full-time job. So I'm going to do that. And I just jumped out there and said, I'm a wedding planner. And at that time being a wedding full-time wedding planner was not something that you saw in small town, Alabama. It was, you know, what you saw on TV or in a big city, big market. So I was kind of pushing the envelope just by being there, I guess. And the type of clients and the type of work that I was doing was probably pretty consistent with that as well, that I was doing a lot of coordination, wedding management style of clients. I had a few full service clients, but I was really kind of figuring out the industry in a small town, which moves kind of slow. And I didn't really know how the rest of the industry worked from a professional point of view. I was kind of like viewing it from the outside. I knew there were bigger, better things happening, but I was only able to operate within my, my small town. And so then comes the advent of social media. And I took that on as much as possible that you could like, even then it didn't necessarily move a whole lot of needles in a small town, small market. And then the recession hit. And that really kind of took me backwards for a hot minute. That was pretty hard for a lot of people. And coming out of the recession, I I decided, okay, I'm going to have to make some big changes and really put some oomph behind what is going on here. Otherwise, why am I doing this? I'm putting a lot of time into this and it's not growing. And so I started looking outside of my, my town of Auburn, where I was living, it was making connections to try to find other people to be wedding directors, just directing wedding weddings on the weekend in different larger markets, specifically Atlanta and Birmingham. And I was connected to Courtney, who is now with me full-time by a mutual friend, a, a photographer friend who had just shot Courtney's wedding. And she, she said, Hey, I know you're looking for other wedding directors and I'm going to put you in touch with Courtney. I think she'd be really good at it. And I wouldn't say it if I didn't think she'd be good. And I 100% believe her. Like she's one of those people that does not false compliment people. So Anyway, Courtney and I had a, basically a blind date at Panera and talked about, you know, what I was looking to do with the business, where, why I would be reaching out to people in different areas. Courtney, you know, on her resume, she comes with a corporate sales background. That's what her position was at the time. And her degrees are marketing and then an MBA in business. So I was like, well, this is fantastic. This is a whole lot of stuff that would be super beneficial to me and envision. And she also has a little bit of an entrepreneurial flair as in she doesn't necessarily want to take the risk of being the entrepreneur, but she understands the the wheels of motion that need to happen to make something successful or at least grow it. I guess growth and success aren't necessarily the same thing, but, and that's kind of how I I call it the second life of Envision at that point when she came on board, because, you know, we rebranded, we had a different focus. We were really going after things seriously. 
as opposed to sort of just like sitting in a small town and taking business as it, as it came. And since so, now I would say 2012 is when that happened. And then in 2017, she came on full-time with me. And that's when we really divided up uh, the responsibilities in terms of me being the designer, she being the planner and pushing forward from there. So here we are. What a journey. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you talked a little bit about how, when you first sat down with Courtney, you were kind of, kind of explaining what your longer vision was for Envision mm-hmm. and just kind of maybe different directions you want to take it. Can you talk a little bit about how long-term vision casting and goal setting has helped enhance and further your business over the years? I may, this may take me a little bit to get all of this out, but (laughs) me as a person, I am extremely long-term oriented. I can see where I'm going to be in 10 years, but I don't necessarily put qualifications around it in terms of if I don't reach a certain, a particular spot by a, a particular date, it's going to derail everything and my self-esteem is going to be crushed or, you know, whatever that may be. And I think some of that comes from during the recession, I actually worked for a catering company and they had very harsh quotas that you had to make and sales goals. And it was extremely intimidating to me. I did not like it. I knew where the growth of that company could go. I just like it to have those like sales goals of a specific number. And if you didn't hit that month that you got docked something or you were basically, you know, on, on thin ice because you didn't make the sales goal. And it was really stifling to me. So when I think of goals, it is, it's goals as in five years from now, I know this is where I'm going to be. Now, what it takes to hit that goal can take any measure of roads to get there, but it's a constant like eye on the prize type of thing versus, okay, if I don't call five people to make this many relationships to do this, it's not that specific. It is much more of put wheels in motion and let those wheels work and just keep doing the right thing like very consistently over and over and it is going to come back to you because that's the way the universe works yes yes I I love that it's like that mindset thing if you don't want to be coming from a place of fear as in not hitting small goals and making it the the big goal and you're just slowly going to it doing the positive things and you'll you know it's going to get there right yeah and it's always I, of course, I'm always keeping my eye around what is happening around me, not as in a comparison game, but you have to be at least conscious of where the industry is going, who looks like they are good to make relationships with. And maybe that relationship won't come to fruition in terms of working together for a couple of years, but understanding up, I know they're good. They're going down a path that I would like to align with. Let me move in this direction. And I, one of the things that I, as an example, I think it was 2015, I told Courtney that a goal of mine would be for me or us or whatever that looked like to be on the speaking circuit. That's just the way I call it. So we need to be speaking. We need to be, you know, making rounds, doing speak, speaking engagements. And she's like, oh, okay. And 
we had nothing to speak on. Like we didn't have a particular subject or a point or, you know, like there wasn't any specific thing in mind. Oh, we would be really good to speak on this. I just knew this, we need to do this because it's, it's one of those things that lends brand credibility. So we put it out there that we're open for speaking engagements and no one was asking us to do speaking engagements, but finally, once we put it out there in the universe and we, you know, rolls around your head and da, da, da. well, two years later, the opportunity presents itself of, oh, this, now we have a subject that could be really beneficial. Let's start thinking about this as a session that we could give at small workshops or something like that. So we started developing those kind of things. And then we finally got asked to actually present something. I think it was 2019, early 2019, no, 2018. I think it was 2018. And then that's really rolled, started rolling the speaking engagements to where now we have more uh, visibility because of that. So it's kind of like the goal five years or, you know, three years before, four years before of, oh, we need to be on the speaking circuit. I don't really know how to get there or what we're going to do with it, but that's the goal. So then you work towards that along the way. Yeah. I like that you, you set goals, but at the same time, like you said, they're not so detailed. They're oppressive. You're like, our goal is to be on the speaking circuit. It's not to get accepted at this conference on this Mm -hmm. date next year. And if it doesn't happen, then you're devastated and you feel like you're not making progress. And so I really, I like that you talked about that because I think we all do that as, (laughs) and then we do it with things out of our control, right? Like I want X number of bookings. And it's like, at the end of the day, we can make steps towards that, but we don't control if a client actually books or, you know, right. Right. And I think the client itself is really hard for me to get super specific about this client has to book me or X number of clients have to book me because it's just repeated disappointment. To be honest, like you're setting yourself up for repeated disappointment, but the ones that do actually book you, I want, I would want people to leave themselves open to appreciating the goodness that comes from those clients, because it's probably not anything that you were expecting. And so don't close your mind off to what good things could come from those clients as well, because you're so upset that you lost this one specific thing or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we're chatting about this a little bit, but we would love to hear about the concept of the 18 month rule. And can you explain to your listeners kind of what that is? Sure. So I was in business for at least four or five years before I kind of sat back and took notice of this. But what I realized was to truly see the results of any sort of change that I've made in my business, or if I had a relationship I was working on, or specifically the booking of a client, if we want to get that detailed on it, you don't really, you're not able to measure the results of that for at least 18 months. So that's the minimum. 18 months is the minimum to where I now allow myself to even try to qualify the results of anything that I have done structurally in my business. So if you want to take just even the, the booking cycle of a wedding client, let's say you book a client tomorrow, 
okay, this is February. Their wedding probably is, you know, non-COVID world. <laughs> probably earliest would be November, right? If not spring of next year. So at the earliest, we're probably talking about 10 months. And then the wedding goes off. No, no big deal. Our, you know, beautiful, wonderful wedding. Now we're going to wait for images to come back. That could be another two to three months, depending on what format the photographer uses, what their editing style is. And at that point, you're probably thinking you want to submit this for publication. So the whole submittal process could take a couple of months for it to be even accepted. And then to run it, that's you're now at the mercy of the publication's calendar and where they think it's going to fit in best. So now you've got another couple of months on top of that. Mm -hmm. So the wedding that you booked tomorrow, you won't even get to publicize it for probably another 18 months. And that's just, that's a minute part of what the 18 month rule is. But let's say you have made a change in your business structurally, or you've raised your prices even putting that out there of, okay, my prices are now 15% higher than they were, you know, this time last year, whatever the, to relay that to a client, be able to book them. I'm not saying it's not, it's, it won't take you 18 months to book a client on those new prices, but the type of client that you're going to get at that price point is probably going to we would all hope is going to be at a higher level of aesthetics and higher level of vendor creative teams, which means you're probably going to want to publicize it in a different way. Now you're further down that 18 month publication route, basically of when you can actually publicize all of this to get an even higher end client to book you at hopefully higher prices at that point. It's all this like cycle of of how it rolls down the hill. And, you know, by the time you look up, you're five years down the road and you're like, oh, look how far I've come. That's amazing. But then people look at it from the outside and they're like, oh, dang, you just got all these fancy weddings and they were all on Martha. And you're like, oh no, there was a (laughs) lot back before Uh that got me to this point. Uh And I think the, the longer play beyond 18 months is always going to be how your relationships play out within the industry. Some of the relationships that I've had have taken six years, six years sometimes to have a client together to come to fruition. So to me that whenever I approach making relationships, it is, that's your real long-term play of, I know these people are who I need to be aligned with not sure when that alignment's going to come to light and maybe it never will, but it's always going to benefit you to be aligned with people who share the same type of goals, have the same outlook on working with clients, same service level, all of that. When you're running in the right circle, it only benefits you in the long term. Absolutely. So can you share maybe one or two examples in your business of how the 18, you've seen the 18 month rule really play out? Yeah. It's kind of funny when, when like, it takes us a while to actually realize, oh, there's that 18th month rule again. So I remember when Courtney and I were talking about changing our 
structure, the structure of Envision. This was the end of 2016, which is a really great year for Envision. That was kind of like the tipping point of, okay, yeah, we are going to start moving further into luxury. I can't say we were a luxury planner that year. It was just, we have we absolutely have what it takes to attract that client. And if we start truly pushing, it's, we can get there. So the end of that year, we had a lot of great work, a lot of great portfolio pieces that we would be able to use, but I was completely spent. I, at that point, we all had our own clients and any of our full service clients I was working with, and I was their full-time planner and their full-time designer all in one person. And some people can do that. And that is not me. (laughs) So, so by the end of the year, I was really like just burned out and burned out as in, I'm just brain dead, not to where I'm burned out. I want to quit this. Just like, I can't keep working the way that I'm working. So what is this going to take to make it actually work for me and the client and make everyone's product better? They get a better wedding, they get better service. And I feel like I'm actually enjoying my job. So I approached Courtney, it was either December or January. It was like December, 2016 or January, 2017 and said, okay, look, here's how I see this working. I'm going to be full-time designer. You're going to be full-time planner and figuring out how we are going to charge clients and how payments are going to work out, like how to structure the actual finances of making this work was a little bit scary because I didn't really run numbers to justify this change. I was just like, I don't know how else this is going to work. So we're just going to have to do it. So we made that change. She didn't come on board until May, like full time. Like we, we made the decision and then she was officially full-time with me in May. Like she left her corporate job, um, which came with a whole lot of perks. So there was some risk in her uh, leaving them, like her healthcare benefits. And she had a computer and a corporate car and all kinds of nice things. So, so she was on board in May. Then we booked a huge wedding in October And that wedding happened in June of 2018. And I know for a fact, if we hadn't already put in the, in place, this new structure and how we would work together, I don't think I could have pulled off that wedding the way that we did 18 months later Mm -hmm. without having that structure in place. And after that, there was one other wedding that, one other instance that it was, April of 2017, we got a call from a photographer friend, or Courtney did actually, she called Courtney and she said, I'm working with a couple, the bride is looking to hire a day of wedding plan, day of, you know, it's tabby word these days, but Mm -hmm. wedding management. And she said, it's a really great wedding. There are professional athletes who are part of the wedding party. And these are big name professional athletes, several of them. And Courtney was already booked for the day. And she said, well, I'm booked. Julie no longer does day of coordination. She doesn't do those anymore, but I'll call her. I'll ask her and see if she's um, interested in taking this on. So Courtney calls me and we kind of talk about it. And 
And I, at the end of the day, I decided it was not the right wedding for me to take on. Number one, I had already made the commitment that I don't do, I don't take on day of clients anymore. It's a disservice to the client. It's a disservice to my full service clients that I need to be giving more attention to. It's just not, it's not right for me. And the celebrity aspect didn't pique my interest as much as others it might, you know, it, that's fine. If others really enjoy having that aspect in their weddings, I don't, they come with a whole lot of problems. I don't really want, <laughs> but really the venue that the wedding was at was not, it's not a high-end venue. And as notable as the wedding guests or wedding party might be, I knew that it my name is now going to be attached to this because there's going to be some sort of publicity that these athletes were in this wedding in Birmingham. Do I want my name attached to this forevermore? Especially I don't if we really plan it and design it, right? <laughs> right. I was trying to I was trying to push our name forward as design and I would not have had design credit on this wedding, but my name is still attached. And so, you know, it just wasn't the right call. So, you know, we passed. That was that came along in August. Well, then March, the following March, I get this like crazy call from a mother of a bride who is basically like at her wits end. I don't know what had gotten her to this point, but whatever happened, they needed a full service planner and designer for their wedding that was happening in six weeks, less than six weeks. And And we were in the middle of trying to put together the biggest design presentation of our careers and literally pulling an all-nighter and this mother of the bride's calling me and I'm like, I don't even know if I, like, this sounds like a mess. I don't know if this is really, (laughs) if I have time for this. And I told her, but what piqued my interest about it, it was at a destination property that we love and have fantastic work there. And and they had a photographer on board who we also love very much. And, and at that point I was like, okay, this is aligning a little bit more than, you know, what I was just discussing. This is definitely more in alignment. So while it sounds very messy, I'll throw it out there. I said, well, we're, if we're to do this, the only way we can do this is if we do full, our full rate uh, of full service. And, and at first mother was like, no, I don't think that's in the cards for us. And we kind of let it go. And I was like, all right, but I can't take this on without getting full rate. And the next day she called and she's okay. Yeah, let's do this. I'm wiring you the money. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, fast forward to that wedding weekend, which was beautiful and just fantastic weekend. And I woke up the next morning and I, you know, you're, when you're scrolling through Instagram, seeing what everybody was up to last, you know, last night, I realized, oh yeah, that wedding in Birmingham that, that we got called about with the athletes that happened that same night. And I was like, oh yeah, well, I got actually paid full rate for what I decided to take on instead. Now that's not 18 months. What was 18 months was a year after that wedding, we had the wedding accepted by Martha Stewart weddings to be published in their print publication, mm-hmm. which was a very big goal of mine. Well, basically my entire career. I mean, I play my own wedding from the actual pages of <laughs> Martha Stewart weddings. So it really meant a lot to me. And then we didn't even see it printed until 
December of 2019. So going from the decision to say no in August of 2017 to seeing a wedding published to Martha Stewart in December of 2019, that's well over 18 months, but accomplished multiple goals along the way to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, basically one little moment can trigger so many things happening down the line and your decision to say no did just that. Mm -hmm. And I I love like you set those big goals and you're like, these don't align with those big goals and not just being nitpicky about absolutely everything. And then you've gotten to where you wanted to go even longer than 18 months. But yeah, love that. Love it. Hey all, Christine here, and I wanted to come in and tell you a little about my film course that I am making. If you are interested in starting film, want to just incorporate that into your photography, I am starting an intro to film course that is also launching this spring. So please hop over to my website at christineherman.com to find out more. So question for you. So for business owners who are looking to strategically use the 18 month rule. Do you have any strategies for them to implement that into their business? Well, this is kind of the trick to it that it's a minimum. 18 months is a minimum. It's not, sometimes it could take a little bit longer, but what I tell people is that you might as well just stick a pin there and walk away and just not think about it. Just keep doing what you know you're supposed to be doing along the way. And then when you look up down the road and you look back, you're like, oh my gosh, that's where I came from by implementing this. And that was actually 20 months ago. Oh, I see it. I see it. So it is more about installing a sense of long-term consistency and straight up patience. Just keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And, and I guarantee you when you turn around, a year and a half from now, two years from now, you're going to be amazed at where you have come because you have been so diligent and putting the work in every single day. You can't, I'm not saying you do one thing, you stick a pin in it and you walk away and you never touch it again. You have to keep doing it over and over again. And then 18 months down the road, you're going to see, oh, here's what came of it. Or I see this cooking now it's because of what I did about 18 months ago. Yeah. I love that. I know, even though I have a uh, black thumb, I feel like the seed analogy is great, right? Mm -hmm. Like you plant a seed, you check it every so often, you got to water it, maybe not every day, but you know, if you looked at it a week from now or two weeks from now, it might still be dirt, (laughs) you know, but it could be (laughs) the most beautiful plant, like in a year, 18 months from now Uh or something. Uh I know for me, like I am probably the total opposite of you and that long-term thinking is not my strength. And so the patience aspect is definitely hard in this very much instant gratification world. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's very much just, everyone's going to have to accept that if you're not in this for at least 10 years, you probably, you're just going to get too frustrated and you might as well just call it a day. Being a solo business owner, a very small business owner, you're going to have to make peace with the fact that this is going to take a long time to really feel like growth has happened. 
you can be successful. You can be profitable. You can be making a living. But if you're trying to grow a brand, it actually does take a long time. So accept it or I, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. We can't accept it. So. <laughs> like just, you know, it's going to happen. So it's going to take a long time. And I think also we're talking about the seed analogy. I feel like a lot of us think everything is going to blossom into something amazing. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize maybe that one seed that we forgot about years ago is actually the one that we should be watering. And that's the one that's going to come back and give us so much more profit and so much greatness into our business. This is why I never really let go of contacts or, you know, it's not so much, oh, don't burn bridges. It's don't count people out just because they are not immediately fulfilling some need for you. Always keep your contact list extremely deep and very much treat everybody with respect because you never know when the time is going to be right that you two do work together or um, you're able to help each other get to where you want to go. Like I said, not everyone's going to be right for you right now, but that doesn't mean that, you know, you should just drop them and move on. It's kind of why, while we don't do a whole lot of like strictly local weddings, I want to know what's going on in my local market. Why? Because I live here (laughs) and they're like, they're still my people, even if I'm not at the same club every weekend, um, doing a wedding with the same team of vendors. So, you know, everyone can be helpful along the way. I love that. And I, yeah, I think we lose sight of that so much of, I just want to chase the clients or the contacts that might benefit me right now and benefit what we view as those big goals. But I know I've had like, People come inquire, you know, maybe I'm out of their budget and then, but they refer people down the line that they know have that same budget. And so Mm -hmm. you're like, well, if I had just been like, oh, sorry, like I'm too expensive for you, (laughs) you know, or hadn't treated them well or anything like that, then it might not have turned into something in the future. And I feel like the same goes for vendors too. If you Mm -hmm. think like a vendor's above or below you, there's not really there's not as much value to that as like you said, cultivating relationships and just at least having a a baseline relationship with everyone. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. I encourage that. And I, it will come, I mean, it's what karma, right? You're putting out good things into the universe. It's going to come back to you guaranteed. Absolutely. So looking back, what is something you wish you could tell yourself as a newer business owner or when you are close to those kind of big strides, but maybe couldn't quite see it coming around the corner yet? I wish I had taken myself a little more seriously in the beginning. There's a lot to be said about a small town mentality of like, for, you know, I don't think this is going to come to as, as a surprise to a whole lot of people, but you know, if you're in small college town, Alabama in 2006, do they really expect you to have some big brand be recognized regionally, nationally? No, they don't. And I think I let that sink in a little bit too much. So then I didn't expect that's where I could be until I realized, why can't I be? Who says this is all there is for me? So I think that's what, I mean, I was kind of, I was doing a whole lot of things blindly whenever I started my business. So I don't recommend- You have good uh, good, uh, vision into the future. I don't recommend my track for about the first seven or eight years to a whole lot of people, but you know, I'm, 
I feel like I, I'm on somewhat of a good track. So now. <laughs> we agree. We agree. So thank you so much for sharing all about the yeah. 18th one rule and your business. We'd love to go into a time of fast facts um, for our listeners to get to know you more. Yeah. In case they didn't catch the other yeah. episode, we're going to throw these facts uh-huh. at you. <laughs> okay. Pretty year. Yeah. New favorites. It's true. <laughs> right. Right. So what is your favorite tool you use in business? My favorite tool is, well, my, the tool I use the most are my actual favorite. I use Airtable is probably my favorite because it just works. Like it makes organizing stuff online really easy and I love it. It has a lot of different applications. So I get really nerdy about Airtable. The one I use the most and have been using it for since I was in college is InDesign. So I think you said InDesign last time. So yeah, <laughs> good to hear your other favorite though. Yes. Yeah. What is your favorite post-wedding snack? Chicken fingers. <laughs> <laughs> good choice. Good choice. <laughs> um, do you have any music that really gets you in the creative designing mood or ready for a wedding day? Usually when I'm in design mode, it's going to be like something a little bit mellow, maybe some recent Taylor Swift or something, you know, that's pretty easy on the ears. Nothing that like, it's got to truly be back. I can't look, no, I listen to my podcast whenever I'm working out. I cannot listen to them whenever I'm designing because it takes too much like (laughs) attention. But when I'm getting ready for a wedding day, I have a, a playlist on Spotify. A lot of, I call it my girly playlist and it's Carly Rae Jepsen and Betty Who and I think there's a couple of other people on there but I really love Carly Rae Jepsen. (laughs) I love it. it. So what's your favorite thing to do outside of um, the industry? Uh, Pretty much travel and my husband and I kind of make a hobby out of renovating our own house. We are looking to build a house this year so that's I guess that's a hobby for us as opposed to just life things that people just do and get, get it over with. No, we just, we keep doing them over and over. (laughs) Hey, if it's a passion, you got to go with it. (laughs) Yeah. What is the best education that you've learned from? It can be a book, podcast, course, workshop, anything. And I regularly listen to all kinds of podcasts. I think the Enneagram has been really eye-opening for me and easy to digest in terms of learning about the other Enneagram types. It's not so, I'm sure a lot of people have done the Myers-Briggs or there's just more types, I guess, to that system versus the Enneagram. It just makes a little bit easier sense. And I can, I can figure out other people's types and, oh, type seven. Oh, got it. I know the high points of that already instead of like 16 of them. I have to learn. Definitely. So what's your Enneagram? <laughs> I am a five. So it depends on what guide you read, but it's either the observer or the um, investigator, researcher, something like that, which is why I can get really nerdy about certain things that I've researched or whatever. Nobody cares to know all the in-depth info that I have about stuff, <laughs> but it's cool to me. <laughs> Are you a five, six or a five, four? Cause I can see it going both ways. <laughs> to be honest, I really feel like I'm just a five. Okay. I have much of a wing either way, but because I've looked at both of them, 
I just think I'm a five. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't identify here, but it has been very, it's been amazing to uh, learn about like Courtney's Enneagram and how our work relationship works, mm-hmm. which it's always been on a good level, but now it's just more insight into how she reacts to things and how she digests things versus how I do it. And, you know, we can both glean off of that and it's, it makes a really good team. For sure. Definitely. So what is one during leap you've taken in your business? Oh, for sure to bring Courtney on full time not because it was questionable on whether she was up to the job. That was never the question. It was more of does this business structure work? Can we financially make this work? Which is kind of a, I reframe things in my mind of like into a game as opposed to, as opposed to a do or die type of thing. If it's a game to me to figure out how to make a business structure work, the, the stress is off because it's, I'm the only one who can win or lose. I'm not in competition with anybody else, but it is a game for my mind to figure out, okay, here's how this payment structure could work and how we can present it to the client. And, oh, now I see where we can make the margin here. Da, da, da. You know, it's a little bit more easier to accept that way, uh, more approachable. So, but yeah, bringing, I, I think totally changing up our entire structure that way was, was pretty daring. Yeah. I I remember you saying in our previous conversation, that wasn't a structure that was done very often in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like you had examples or, you know, mentors that could necessarily coach you through that transition. So that's definitely a daring leap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is one thing you feel like you're great at in your business, Julie? I'm really good at allowing others to have ownership within my business of certain things. Like I don't necessarily have to be front and center of everything. Like I don't have to tell people that I'm the owner of the company all the time or be the only face that anybody sees. I am very welcoming to Courtney have the spotlight on something because she's probably, whatever the spotlight's on her for, she's probably better at it than me. Okay, great. And if she's getting spotlight and then Envision Events is getting spotlight. So that just benefits everybody. So I'm really, I would say equitable in terms of ownership on not, maybe not legal ownership because that's not how business works, but, you know, being able to blossom within the structure that we have. Love it. Love it. So where can our listeners find you? Website, Instagram, Clubhouse. We know you're on there all the time. I am basically at Envision Events for any any social media and that Envision is spelled with an I, I N V I S I O N. And website is envision.events. No.coms, just envision.events. Awesome. And on Clubhouse, you're, it's your name, right? Not Envision. It's, I mean, it's my name, but my actual handle is at Envision Events. Oh, if, perfect. I can't figure out exactly how they do the search thing there. Like, yeah. search by name or do you search by handle? I don't know. All good. So in closing, what is one thing you want to dare our listeners to do after hearing your episode all about the 18 month rule? I dare you not to overanalyze what you're doing. If you have made a decision to do something, do it and then stop analyzing it. Stop, (laughs) just leave it alone, make your commitment and just keep true to that commitment until you have solid evidence that either it hasn't worked, which is going to be at least 18 months later. 
or more than likely you're going to see what benefit has come to it. If you are able to commit to yourself and commit to your business, when you make a decision, take it, go for it. Love that. Yes. Well, thank you so much again, Julie. We loved having you on. Well, thank you again. I would come back anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all are wonderful. I appreciate it. My main takeaway from Julie's episode today is to really lean into a posture of patience that as business owners, it's so easy to get caught up in wanting instant gratification and things to move, but you never know what seeds you planted will grow. So I like the combination of, you know, we got to water them every once in a while, but we really got to step away and give it some time to uh, do its work. And that 18 months is what the minimum she said. Mm -hmm, Yes. And I I think it's super important for us to take away that we shouldn't be coming from a mindset of fear when it comes from smaller goals, when it comes to the 18 month role, like you have your goal, let's move forward. We know there's going to be small steps to get there, but just keep on going. Thanks so much for joining us today on Dare to Develop. We'd love for you to subscribe and leave us a review if you love today's episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at daretodeveloppodcast.com and follow along on IG at Dare to Develop. Catch us next week for more fun as we hear from creatives who have dared greatly in their businesses and develop community along the way.